I hope you guys know that I love you because oh, comes uh, an insult. Yeah, because here it comes. No, because <laughs> I got back from California late Monday night. It's Wednesday morning right now, and we decided to take a couple days off and just like not work. I have no responsibilities today except for this show. Oh. Hmm. I just decided to spend time with you guys. That's it. Oh, that's what are you doing after? You're going to go back to bed? I, I might. Oh. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I really like have nothing to do. The kids are all at school. Jenny's like at the gym or somewhere. I don't know what she's doing. And uh, yeah, I have nothing to do. Actually, I might go play in the lathe. Honestly, I have mm-hmm. been kind of itching to get to the metal lathe. When so. there's nothing to do, that's tinker time. That's what I call. Yeah. It. Yep. Best time. But yeah, I was I was in California. Uh, for the last week. That's why we didn't record last week. Um, and it was a very long trip. It was a good trip overall. A few hiccups here and there, but overall it was a really good time. Um, but man, we did a lot of stuff and we traveled. We flew into LA. We're there for a few days, three days, I think. And then we drove up north to the Bay Area, did some stuff up there, and then ended up at Silicon. Uh, the, the Comic-Con, and it was a great time. Got to see lots of people that we know, um, you know, just through the maker world and meet a lot of people that I'd never actually gotten to meet in person before, which was really cool. Is that MakerCon the first one, or is there, has there been others? No, it's it's happened several times. I think it's just now trying to turn into a maker-focused Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. You know, it's before it's been just like a small Comic-Con. And I've never been to it before, so I don't have a concept of how it was versus how it is. But somebody did say that it was last year. They just barely had it because there were, you know, COVID stuff. They were still kind of like hesitant to do it, but they wanted to keep it alive. Mm-hmm. And this year it was about twice as big as last year. So it sounds mm-hmm. like it's coming back and, mm-hmm. and it was a good size event. It wasn't too big, wasn't too crowded, but it was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, got to see lots of people. So it was good. Did you get to hang out? Do you get to hang out with Adam or is he like on a storm? Uh, no, he was he was very busy. I uh, didn't even get to shake hands. Nothing. Mm-hmm. But I did see, um, got to hang out with Simone a little bit, which was nice. Probably more than I have in the past. Mm-hmm. And um, gosh, a bunch of other people. I don't know. It was it was kind of a whirlwind. Like we saw in L.A. We we went we worked with Pat Flynn. Uh, went to Frank Ippolito's shop for the day, which was just. Mind blowing, yeah. just unbelievable. That shop is crazy. The shop is is off the hook. It's so good. It's it's wild. It, and I walked out of that particular day with, I learned a huge amount of stuff. Did he cast your hands? He did cast one of my hands, but not oh, for good. the same okay, reason that you you did. <laughs> yeah, because we talked about that, and like I'm sure, like it kind of slips everyone's mind, and then like you leave, you come and go, and he's like, oh, I could have cast your hand. I'm glad he did. No, he did, but we're using it for a project. I, I, it was actually yeah. my idea. But he's got um, the mold. He's got the mold. He's got the mold and a cast that he wanted to send to you. Mm. Oh. And I'm not going to talk about that here. Okay. But I will after, let After, after, show. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, anyway, so I learned so much stuff from – I didn't really do anything at Frank's place. I just kind of watched him. You, you could know, walk around stuff. and get an education in that place. Yeah. Sure. It, it was crazy. But then also – uh, in the after show, I'll tell you what we were working on and give you some context. But he, I learned a bunch about molding and casting and uh, silicon painting and 
silicone painting and uh, machining. And I just, it was, it was awesome and overwhelming. And I walked away there, you know, my brain was just kind of swelling. It was, mm-hmm. it was so much stuff. But, uh, and then after that, we, we shot some stuff with Donut Media. Um, and then kind of had a travel day, shot stuff with Mark Rober. Um, I feel like there was something else in there too that I'm forgetting. At Frank's place, did you see any secret movie stuff? I did, and I cannot tell you about it. Yeah, I, I figured you could, but I just wanted is. to know. Yeah, that's all yeah. that's hanging around is just crazy, so, cool TV movie stuff. We, you know, he knew we were coming. We had set up a, the day for it and everything, and so he cleared uh, cleared off a section, like one little four by four table, and a put that against a backdrop in the shop that didn't have anything secret in it. And so when we got there, he was like, you can stand here and you can shoot that way. <laughs> and that's it. Because <laughs> there's just like, there's just stuff. There's just like right. tables of, you know, space armor and like props. And there's there's like a whole costume room where they were like doing costume fittings and stuff. It was crazy. We actually, in the video, because we shot a bunch of video, obviously, but we made some jokes about it where I was like, Oh, look at this thing. And I'm just pointing to like garbage cans and random shelves of stuff. And I'm like, Oh, that's the, and we're going to bleep out what I say. Cause it's like, Oh, look, there's the garbage can. We're going to from garbage can, you know? So we're going to make it look like we were trying to point out all the secret stuff, but there was secret stuff everywhere that we couldn't show. We couldn't film. And even like in his, um, he, his, he's got like an office kind of entryway with, glass cases of a bunch of stuff that he's made and it's it's like his copies of things that he made for movies you know that didn't stay with the prop department so from the obi-wan kenobi show i know you guys don't care about it but it's like a a recent star wars show and there's a whole bunch of lightsabers in it not not just like a couple there's a bunch of different kinds and he made all but two of them i think Mm -hmm. and so he's got his own exact replica full metal you know, animatronic, whatever version of each one of them there. And he was like, yeah, you can't take videos of those because like, I can't make it look like I'm, I have my own copies for other people. You know, he can have them for himself, but he can't do anything with them. And so he was like, yeah, you just can't show those (laughs) stuff like that. We're walking through this room and he's like, yeah, that, that costumes from stranger things. And that's from umbrella Academy. And that's from whatever and book of Boba Fett. And, you know, it's just, He's just got all the stuff, man. It's like so cool. Just, yeah, he's got his hands in almost every cool thing. Uh, he was showing us some props from Bullet Train. And so I'm like, well, I guess we're going to go see Bullet Train tonight. And we absolutely did. Oh, nice. And it was really cool. Um, but the whole trip was great. That was that was one of the highlights for me. Uh, and then, of course, uh, getting to see Mark was really good. He's a great guy. And... Um, his lab, his like warehouse is like big fun house. It was so much, so much fun. And yeah, it was a really good trip, but very exhausting. You know, that's, you that do collabs with uh, Mark and, and donut media. Or you just visit. Yeah. 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 We shot yeah. stuff everywhere we went. So we, wow. we did a video for donuts channel. Um, and then we did something for, we made something for Mark and took it up there to him. So the video will be on our channel. With Donut, are you doing car-related stuff? Yeah. Yeah, we did like a – they're interested in 3D printing, so we did some 3D printing stuff for cool. cars. And and it was interesting because it was, you know, got there. They had some printers that were not set up, not – they didn't know what they were 
what they had, how to use them, anything. And so we had a pretty limited amount of time to get in and make sure the printers were working, figure out what we were going to make, model, print, install, you know, and it's not complicated or anything, the stuff we did, but given all of that in one afternoon with shooting and being introduced to new people in a new place. And, you know, it was, it was a different scenario. How many off camera people are in the garage shooting? Um, in that case, I think it's different for every single video okay. uh, cause they've got a really big team of people. But in that case, there was one guy that was directing and then two cameras being run the whole time and different people would, you know, handle them at different times. Uh, and then there's a whole writing team and creative team that's, that worked on it beforehand. And so they, they kind of came in with an outline and then we just followed the outline to get the, the video put together. But did you learn anything from a bigger set to take home that um, could possibly change what you do? I don't think so. I think if anything, it, it made us feel like, uh, so the longer, you know, I've been doing all this stuff the more we try to up our camera game and editing game. And, you know, you just try to like improve everything a little bit. And then you get in a, a situation like that where like the cameras that they have are each camera cost more than all of my cameras put together. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like these like really cool rigs and, you know, they've got writers and they've got, I don't know. It just, it was like a level up in it's professional like production team. Yeah. Yeah, it really was. But it all, but that made me feel like we were still kind of just like kids goofing around with whatever right. we had, and we're making cool YouTube videos, and and so that felt kind of good, you know, like we hadn't grown to an unnecessary point of of gear and whatever, uh, and it's all relative. Somebody else with their phone would feel the same way around us because we have nicer cameras than that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But so it was. If anything, I learned that I enjoy having the freedom with what we do and what we have to just like figure it out as we go along. Don't have a, a writing staff and we don't have, you know, that type of thing, but it was yeah. really cool to see all up close and see how things are put together. But, um, yeah, anyway, it was a good trip. It was a very good trip, but long. Let me ask you a question. If you know the answer Does donut media, did they start out like we did or did they just yeah. hit the ground hard running with a production team from, production company no i think they started out with just a couple of people and they were as far as i understand it they were mostly film people rather than car people mm-hmm. they just they happened just a to, subject to work on. yeah they picked a subject and um they they still kind of draw from film people mm-hmm. uh, from like how they get their hosts and their like a lot of their hosts are stand-up comedians um, and then a lot of them have been in film production. So it's, it's an interesting place for them to land. And this is all like, I don't know any of them. So I'm just, this is observation. Um, but it's an interesting place for them to land given who they are and where they all kind of came from. And so I think I they started the same way, but then they've gotten, they've gotten funding. They got purchased over the years. So it's, it's changed a lot for them. But I mean, the guy that started it. Maybe the main guy, he's not even on camera, right? He's not even a camera personality. Right, Matt. And he's actually the only one that I'd ever spoken to before. Okay. He's, uh, I've had a few conversations with him. Great guy. Very helpful. Um, and so I showed up there at Donut and realized that 
he was interested in me coming to make some videos together, but I don't think anybody else there had any idea who I was. So it was kind of like, hey, guys, <laughs> I know you don't know me, but I'm here to make a video with you. So it was kind of funny. Um, but it was good. Um, yeah. What did you guys do this week? What did I do? The Let's last see, two weeks. It's been two weeks. It's been two weeks. I'm just trying to tie up loose ends here at the house, trying to look at look around and seeing projects that sat undone. And I started working on my silver Chevy, which I've been doing some Instagram stories on. I did that. I'm working on my Buddha head. So the next two videos that'll probably be in the shoot will be the Buddha head and the and the uh, little silver Chevy fix em uppers. And the Chevy, I changed the windshield, which was pretty traumatic. The dashboard, which is not done yet. I'll probably get it in today. And the grill. So three pretty major things. But the windshield, for sure, is the most complicated and me and my brother pulled out the old windshield and I say popped in the new one, but it took about 45 minutes to get it in without breaking it. So it's pretty complicated. It's funny because my buddy Art, who will appear in the video, Art says, he, he, he was here, then he left and I put the windshield in and he saw it. And he goes, you put the windshield in, he saw it on the stories. He goes, it was easy, right? I said, the next one will be easy. This <laughs> one was very hard because <laughs> now I know all the intimate details of how to do it. And Bob, taking your inspiration, I did not open YouTube. My brother's like, let's look on YouTube. I'm like, it just has to go here. That's all they're going to tell me is that it has to go here. <laughs> He's like, we should just look at a YouTube video. What can't hurt? I'm like, we're almost done. And like, we only had one corner popped in. I'm like spraying Windex all over it, struggling, sweating. He's like, we could just look at a YouTube. I'm like, no, no, Bob didn't look at a YouTube video. I'm not looking at a YouTube video. <laughs> Bob does not know what he's doing, just to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't either, but we just kept nudging it. And it gets mm. to my old adage. It's just you got to keep going in the direction you start where, where it isn't what you want. And you just keep pushing it into the direction you do want where you want it. And I started noticing I was able to push the rubber seal from the inside of the car with a wooden shim stick. And it kept flopping into place. It kept slowly flopping into place, but about a centimeter at a time. Flop. That's about a half inch. Flop. Push. Flop. Push. Flop. Push. Flop. And then went around the whole windshield like that until I got the whole thing in. I took a break halfway through. I'm like, okay, I didn't break it yet. Let's just wait. Let's just wait. At one point, my brother goes, I'm like, no, that's exactly how it'll crack. He's like banging on. I'm like, that's not going to make it pop in. You have this hard, hard, super durometer, hard rubber weather seal half of it's literally on one side of the windshield and the other half is slowly popping its way to the outside of the windshield and you got to just inch it one little thing at a time and the whole time i'm hoping not to crack it but we got so it did you, did you have like a uh, like a hard plastic wedge tool that you were running along that to i tried kind of i, I used wooden or? i used wooden shim okay the wooden shims oh, that you would yeah. pick up at the hardware store sure. i just covered them with soap so they were a bit slippery and gotcha. that was and that was that was the way to do it. I, I heard some myth about a string. You pull a string and it pops right in. And I tried it; nothing worked. But I, again, I refused to look at YouTube. So I tried I like the string editing. thing. <laughs> and <clears throat> like I said, it just has to. It's here on the outside of the rubber. It has to be on the inside of the rubber. And the only place to do it is to just put it inside the rubber. Anyway, long story short, I got that, and now uh, this truck is one step closer to getting cooler looking and more. Less, less like a pile of junk in the weeds. Oh, and the other thing is, at one point, Art said, uh, 
I go, he goes, does the air conditioning work on this? I go, I don't know. He goes, well, give it a start. So he has his head under the hood. And Art is an engine guy. Shout out to Art Clement, small engines on Instagram. And I went to start and he goes, whoa, 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 stop it. Come inside and look at this. And the funny thing is, it's really, it's, it's really nice to hang out with people that are so experienced. They could just spit knowledge just because they have the experience. Earlier in the day, I went to start the car. And the way it always started was, and it would start right up. Never did it not start, but it always sounded like it wouldn't start. It was just, it was, I figured, oh, it's just the personality of this car. And when I went to do it earlier in the day, Art, Art from inside the shop goes, that thing has a loose wire. That's what he said. I go, you think? He goes, there's definitely a loose wire in there somewhere. He goes, the fact that it started is good, but there's a loose wire. That's why it's not getting all the voltage it needs. Like, okay, so now it's like five hours later. He was here all weekend <clears throat> working on a project with Patrick. And so at the end of the day, let's see if the air conditioning works. Started up. He's like, whoa, whoa, because let's switch places. So he goes to the ignition and I stick my head under the hood. He goes, look at the starter. I go to, he goes to start it and the starter, right where the nug, the nug, the nug, lug <laughs> nut is that connects to the starter, it glows bright red instantly from Ooh. like it's welding. He goes, you see that? I go, whoa, whoa, yeah. He goes, you see, we got to fix that. And he climbs onto the car, and in three minutes, he pulls the starter out. I'm like, wait, 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 what are you doing? He goes, no, no, it's got to be replaced. Like, he, he wouldn't let me, he wouldn't let me try and <clears throat> leave it alone and fix it. He's like, no, no, no you got to get this out. And the, the solenoid, which is the bigger lump on the outside of a starter, where all the wires connect, the back housing was broken in half. So where the positive lead would connect was right between two cracked walls. So it was... The electric was jumping mm. and creating that heat. And, of course, everything around it was singed and burnt. Not to the point where it would go on fire, but it was just all brittle and cracky. And so we pulled the starter out. And so reluctantly the next morning, which was that yesterday morning or Monday morning? Monday morning I went and got a new starter and clumsily installed it myself and got it in no problem. But there I was confronted which could be a topic, but when you get confronted with something you absolutely don't want to do for convenience or because you just have fear or inexperience, and now you're, you're forced to do it. And it was really funny the way Art did it. He just pulled out. He goes, you know what you're doing. You could figure this out. I was like, no. I kept chewing the baby bushes. <laughs> like, no, don't, don't take this starter out. Leave it in. Leave this starter room. And he's like, stop whining, you baby. <laughs> he's like unscrewing it and pulling it out. Anyway, so I was forced to confront this starter issue, brought it in to Napa. They just swapped it out for a good one, and I came back. And it was in such a situation where it was underneath the exhaust manifold where I could barely get at it. I was able to snake it through and get it in, and then I had to put all the screws on blindly because I couldn't see where the screws and the wire nuts and I also had to recap the end of all the charred wires and put new, what do they call those little tiny doodads that go over the nuthead? over the bolt. So I did all that. And the moral of the story is sometimes you get confronted with something you really don't think you can do, mm. but you can do it. And that was my situation. I, I'm really good with mechanics in general, but I get frustrated when there are certain situations that I can't reach, get at. So I just avoid it. I say, you know, I don't mind it glowing a little bit. There'll be a little <laughs> bit of light under the car every time I start. <laughs> But I, and I that's just, how I, Jimmy exploded. <laughs> <laughs> no, in my mind, I'm like, it's good enough now. It's good. I can just get it to the mechanic and let the mechanic do it. And he's uh, like, no, you're going to change it tomorrow. Don't be a baby. And I'm like, <laughs> no, I don't want to change it. So anyway, that was my little 
learning car story. Oh, not to mention, so the car always drips a little bit. It always drips transmission fluid. Even though I had the transmission replaced, it always dripped. And I never understood why the guys, they said to me, when you get the car roadworthy, just drive it back here and we'll fix everything that's dripping. We didn't know that was dripping. Turns out there's transmission coolant lines that go from your radiator. There's like an extra radiator beside your radiator, and that is the coolant for the transmission fluid. There's an in and an out. And when I got the car two years ago, the guy told me, he says, oh, the transmission coolant lines are rotted and they drip. And in my mind, he might as well have told me the flux capacitor has a situation where we need to get another one in the year 1955. I was like, okay, well, I'll just save that for a professional. I'm not dealing with that. And so it always drips. So when they put the new transmission in, apparently, I only realized this this week, they never changed the transmission lines. It's still the original ones that were on the car that always dripped and leaked. So anytime, I just assumed they would fix everything. I didn't know. I'd like, they're going to look under the car, see what's broken and fix it. Primarily the transmission and everything associated with it. What they did was they just changed the transmission. They didn't change the lines or anything. So while well, Art was under the car the other day, he's like, your transmission lines are leaking. You know that, right? I'm like, oh, they are? I thought they put new ones in. He goes, nope, these are the original ones. They're all rotted. And with that, I look at him and his elbow's doing this. I go, what are you doing? So I'm breaking it off. I'm like, no, no, don't break it. He's like, no, 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 we got to put new ones in. He's like, oh, like, snap. And he snapped. He's like, yeah. And he hands it to me from under the car. He goes, here, that's, just save that for your size reference. That's the, that's the, the thread hole you need. <laughs> I was like, no, don't break anymore. Don't want to do it. And so... <laughs> I had to do that too. I left that part of the story out. So I had to change. <laughs> I had to splice in a segment of both the in and the out transmission coolant lines, which was a lot easier than I feared. Mm. It was a lot easier. So I just spliced them in with, <clears throat> with rubber fittings. That is going to have to get changed professionally, but that'll get me to this, to the repair station. When I bring it back to the guys, I'll just say, Hey, could you change that and fix what you guys didn't actually get completely fixed? So. In my experience, like shops, unless you have a shop that you know that you've spent a lot of time with, they know your vehicle specifically, they do the thing that you ask them to do and that's it. And they move on because they have a hundred other jobs behind you. No, you know what I mean? They're not like, let me check out and look over your whole vehicle and look for, I mean, which is what I have always wanted because I have not known what to tell them to look for, you know, without the experience. I'll tell you a funny story with this particular car. Going back to the beginning of the summer, so I bring the car over there. Well, they came and put and towed it because it didn't drive. The transmission completely gave up. So they towed it away, <clears throat> put a new transmission, and it took some time for them to do it. I sold them no rush. I'm not going to get to the car for a while. So they had it. And then one day, I'm having lunch with a friend at a cafe right here in town, and my car drives by on the back of a flatbed. And I knew we had <clears throat> traded calls, drop it off at the house, da, 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 da. And... <clears throat> I see it go by. He goes, that's, was that your car? Because that's the car you keep talking. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. They're going to go drive. They must be dropping it off now. So after we eat lunch, we go back to the house to go look at it, and it's not there. Now I'm thinking, I know John, the guy who picked it up, wasn't going to be the guy who dropped it off. So I'm thinking, okay, the guy put it in the wrong driveway. So now I'm looking up and down all my neighbor's house, and my neighbors are kind of far apart. So I'm like going to my neighbor's house, looking up their driveway to see if they put the car in the wrong driveway. I couldn't find it anywhere. And so I'm like, I don't understand why they didn't drop it off. So I drive over to the station, which is about five miles away, and my car's not there. And the the tow truck is there without my car on it, and it's not anywhere in their lot. And I can't see through their windows. They have these closed-up doors, and they're closed for the weekend. Mm. And no one's answering my call. 
And my car is just missing. I have no idea where it is until Monday morning. I finally get somebody on the phone. I'm like, did you guys drop my car off at the wrong house? And they laugh. They go, no, we were taking it off the truck at your house. And we realized it had a very bad leak. Oh. So we took it back and we repaired the leak at the seal, at the transmission seal. And we'll bring it back to you Wednesday or Thursday. I said, okay, no problem. So they bring it back. Mm. Finally, everything didn't get lost. And that's sitting in the driveway. And I go to move it. And there's a big puddle under it. And I call them. And they're like, that's when they said, when you get the car running and driving on the road, register, drive it over, and we'll fix everything for you. But in the meantime, those transmission lines never got fixed. I just assumed that they had. That's a long, boring story. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I'll shut up now. (laughs) Last winter, I spent all that money on getting stuff for the Impala to do this summer and i haven't done a single thing i haven't <laughs> it's it's un it's untouched it's drivable is, so it's, it's is that, totally fine. is that time or yeah will? It's, it's 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 uh it's time and priorities hmm. like i'm i'm working on some other things and i mean i haven't even last year i raced the go-kart all summer uh like at least every other weekend and this year I've only gone to like three races. I just don't have the time this this year. And then uh, I did realize I looked like uh, there was some coolant sitting on top of the manifold the last time I drove it. So there's some sort of leak somewhere that I got to fix. Um, I ain't got time to do that. So I'll just <laughs> I ain't got time for that. I ain't got time for that. So I'll just drive around squirting coolant everywhere. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> So what have I been working on? I, a couple days ago or a few days ago, I put out a shoe bench video and it was going to be an ordinary shoe bench. And then I made a, a big mistake realizing I didn't have enough wood for the top or the, the wood for the top was a little too short. And we had a, had to call an audible and make a pivot. And I was kind of frustrated and just like the place where I would go to get wood. Kencraft, they were at some woodworking show in Atlanta, so they were closed all week. So we had to come up with a solution, and we decided to make a plywood top and then take the wood that I did have, which was hickory, and resaw it, and then do this herringbone pattern on the top. And it came out way better than I ever would have imagined. Like, because I didn't have enough wood, and because it caused me, it forced me to think creatively, it came out way better. So... Now I have to apply that to future videos. I have to like not prepare and <laughs> and and cause issues and and uh, have disasters in the middle of projects. I guess to make them better. Um. So that that was good. I this week I worked on a side table that I can't even show for a couple months because it's for a sponsored video, and they want all we're doing like five videos for them, and they want all five videos at the same time. So I'm Whoa. working on projects that I I can't even show off for a couple months. So that kind of stinks. Weird. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, so you have to, I, you can't put the videos out. Like you have to bank all of those projects before you can start releasing them. Yes. Because it's part of some wow. campaign that they're releasing for this, this thing. And they're going to hmm. all be released back to back to back. It's not, it, it's, it, it's, uh, there's a lot of back and forth. And it's uh, not how I like I like to work, and it's very. I don't know if I want to reveal too much, but it's scripted. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's funny uh, when you start going back and forth. There's every single conversation, and you have the what I call the parachute in the conversation, <laughs> which is the I'll give you money back. You could have everything. Oh done. man, I have that this is at all the, the time. end of 
<laughs> every conversation I have with this one particular client, I've talked about him earlier on, if you know who I'm talking about. I don't want to say it again because I don't want to get myself in trouble. <laughs> I almost got in trouble last time I talked about it publicly. But every single conversation, I'm about a paper thin's width away from going, I'm going to refund your money and I'm going to keep the props. Because every single conversation is, oh, I didn't mention this? Mm. Oh, I didn't say, mm-hmm. oh, I thought I said, th- oh, wait, I guess I forgot to say, oh, you're making four objects that has a logo? I'm like, yeah. Oh, I didn't tell you f- each location has a different logo. I didn't tell you that? No. The other two objects are already done with the first logo that you gave me, the only logo you gave me. Oh, those two logos aren't the right logos. I'm like, okay, well, I did my part. And so I can keep going, but <laughs> every conversation has that ripcord. Is, yeah. uh, I haven't pulled it yet, but I'm about to. Yeah, yeah. The stress and uh, the, the time sometimes just isn't worth it. Mm-hmm. So later on this week, I'm going to start the making a project, the three of us. Jimmy's already done with his. Yeah. I'm almost done. Almost. I, I, kinda, I got a big jump on it, and I accidentally sent you guys forgetting that it was supposed to be a secret. But uh, I, I'm almost done with it. I have to do the leg, and I haven't finished the top quite yet. But Technically, yours has, on it. has like eight legs in there. Yes. Actually, 12. <laughs> 12. <laughs> no, wait. What's six times four? <laughs> 24 legs. Oh, man. Just wow. a couple of heads, actually, so there's no bodies. Oh, oh wait, even mind. worse. <laughs> anyway, so like anybody who's listening here ha- doesn't know what we're doing because that was all after show stuff. So they don't know. Oh, uh, yeah. Keep your mouth shut, Pachito. We, we could tease. Yeah. We could, you want to tease? Or we just teased? I mean, yeah, we can, I, mean I think we can, you know. We're doing a collaboration finally after seven years. We're finally doing that collaboration that got us to start together. We tried uh, maybe six years ago. Bob, you made something. You sent I it tried. to me, and then I, I tried. Yeah, you okay? <laughs> let's let's be clear. Bob tried. You sent it to me, and then it just sat in my shop for years. And finally, I think it ended up in the fire pit. I don't know what happened to it. It's yeah. not here anymore. That's okay. Sorry. Yeah. That's, no, that's yeah, offensive. That's all right. I've I've dealt with that and moved on. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. I'm just kidding. But this yeah, one, so this, we're, one works. We're, this one is a brilliant idea, and it, it's going to be. I, it's really going to be ugly. That's the thing. No matter what we do, each of us, we're putting three completely disparate things together into mm-hmm. one thing, and it's going to mm-hmm. be ugly. So. Well, I think that's the idea: is to show each one yeah. of our ugly personalities. Sure. Of course. <laughs> Well, basically, for anybody that doesn't know what we're talking about, um, Louisville Maker Fair is coming up September 10th. Does that sound right? Sounds good. Mm-hmm. Somewhere around there. Sometime so from <laughs> this Saturday. Yeah. And uh, these guys are coming to my neck of the woods, and we're going to do a live podcast, and we're going to hang out at Maker Fair on that Saturday. And we're all building part of a project, and we're going to bring those parts and stick them together and make one project, and then we're going to... Give leave it, it away there. We're just going to leave it there. Force somebody to take it or something. I'm not sure how we're going to do. Oh, that. I think actually... I was going to. I was going to drive it back. I'm going to okay. travel with Derek in his truck, so we're going to travel back with it, and then we'll create it up and send it to the lucky winner. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, we've actually had several people uh, submit their addresses just in case we just want to like pick one of them and. Mm-hmm. And how, yes. how do people okay. get on the list to be the well, lucky winner? I don't know, and <laughs> this is something we. I had to look this up yesterday because of something else we're doing. Some legalities. Some legalities about giving things away and Patreon. 
Have you guys ever heard of this? Mm-hmm. I've been. Uh, I got in trouble last year, but we were able to get out of it through Patreon. You got in trouble by Patreon? No, no, with um, just on you know social media. I did, I did like what, what it basically amounted to a raffle, uh, and somebody called us out and said that's illegal. Well, years ago, I used to do a monthly giveaway, maybe weekly or monthly giveaway on my Patreon. And Paul Jackman said, hey, you can't do giveaways behind a paid wall because then it's gambling. And I stopped. Not exactly true. Not exactly it's true. An incom- it's an incomplete statement. Paul Jackman, so if you're listening, call me. <laughs> you owe him something. Yeah. Uh, that is true. Um, that you can't there, – there's some, there's some specifics about it. So it turns out that if it's behind a paywall and – randomly selected those are the two things that make it a raffle now if you're a lawyer don't yell at me i'm i read an article yesterday i may be wrong but it sounds like as long as you give people a free way to get into that that pot of people it can then be a randomly selected item so it's it's a raffle but there's free entry okay so that's one way around it um, so if we had like Patreon supporters and people who just you know signed up for an email list or something like that, the other way to do it is to have it not randomly selected. So if you had Patreon supporters, and then from that they had to submit like you know an essay, an essay, or you know the funniest way to do a whatever mm-hmm. like a joke, and they had to submit something, and then you just pick your favorite one. That's not random selection; it's based on merit. And so if it's on merit, then oh. it's not a raffle, and then you can do it. And that's that's from the Patreon website. They have an article about this, about what they allow and what they don't allow. So, And that's all based on legality. Um, so I had to look that up yesterday for something else. And so we can try to figure that out hmm. for this. Bleep! We can just like give it to some random person on the street. That would be really funny. <laughs> we should just drive up to somebody and be like, hey, you want to bleep? Yeah, sure. Here you go. You just gave Can't it away it what now. we're working on. Later. Oh, Yeah. I mean, you, Brandon, you can bleep that out so they don't know what it is. <laughs> I think you guys gave it away earlier. But whatever. It's fine. So anyway, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to seeing you guys yes. in person yes. for the first time in a long time. Oh, my headphone just fell out. Um, looking forward to recording live at a Maker Faire. I'm looking forward to making something together. And I get to, I mean, David, you've been here before, but I get to show you guys the shop and show you the, we can go out to the farm and show you the gear. Yeah. We have a, we have a, basically a, a full day of just hanging out. No obligations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's going to be yeah. cool. It's going to be very cool. Uh, yeah. So that's coming up in a couple weeks and then we'll have that live show. Uh, we should be able to get that audio and put it out, you know, the following week. So, um, there's a guy that I met this past weekend and I am blanking on his name. He told me his name. I'm terrible with names and I'm blanking on his name. I saw him in the back of one of my panel talks and I recognized him. And so he uh, came up afterwards and we started talking. I was like, Hey, how are you? You know, and I, I couldn't remember his name, but I couldn't remember where I'd seen him before, but we see people at all these different events. And so I, I was just trying to figure it out. Anyway, we got to talking and it turns out he was at, uh, making it 100 in Boston mm. when we did that live show. And then he was at the one other live show that we've done somewhere. I don't know where that was. Are you talking Bay about Route 9 Fair, Signs? Maybe? No, I did see him. Okay. I did see him too, but I, I know him. Um, oh, man, I'm blanking on his name. And I'm sorry because he's probably listening now and 
and and I feel bad. But the thing that I thought was really cool was that he was at uh, Making It 100. He was at whenever we recorded the other live show, and he was thinking about coming to Louisville because it was the other live show that we were going to do, and he wanted to be at all of them. Um, I thought that was really cool. Oh, I love oh, that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, we, we did uh, we did the last Maker Fair in Bay Area. Was that 2019? Probably older than that. I, I don't know. One of those. When we were all on stage. Mark Roper was on before us. Oh, yeah, that would have been like 17 or 18. No, 18 maybe? 18, probably. Anyway, I thought that was really cool. Yeah. So we should send that thing that we're making to him. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. Make sure you randomly pick his name, though. Okay. We've done two live shows, (laughs) correct? I believe so. Okay, this would be the third. We should have gave out coins to all. And then if you have all three coins, you can enter to win a bleep. (laughs) <laughs> a bleep <laughs> I gotta bleep the thing again so they don't know what we're making yeah um, well we didn't really have a topic or anything this week anything going on have you run into anything you know last week any any new stuff I, I mean I know like I, I could talk more about the machining stuff from Frank's if we don't have any if you guys mm-hmm. don't have anything new well, the one thing, uh, one thing I, I like, I was going to say earlier about Frank's, and it's something that I talked about recently. I did a podcast. I did David Bowers' podcast, and I was talking about all the different experiences I've had in my life, which led to being able to pretty much field anything, mostly anything. I'm not good with electronics, and that's pretty public knowledge. Being able to field any mechanical or maker challenge that comes my way, and talk about Frank, talk about a prop shop that deals with nearly every single discipline that can come through a maker workshop. And that's the one thing I was most impressed when I visited Frank's shop is that he deals with ro- robotics, uh, electronics, mold making, silicone sculpting, painting, every single possible thing that you could throw at a makerspace goes through a prop shop. And being able to handle all that, mimicking ancient rocks, making new technology look like it's been around forever, and machining. And I remember seeing Frank, he's got his tour mark set up, and he was making something, making a joint or something. But it's pretty amazing. So if you're out there and you want to become a maker and you're thinking to yourself, what's the one job where I'll get the most experience? Obviously, working in a makerspace is one. But if you can get a job at a product development shop or maker or prop making space, you know, even if you're just going to be a fly on the wall to sweep the floor, you'll be exposed to so many different disciplines from sign making because mm-hmm. the signage in movies, carpentry on a minor level. Everything. Does Frank have any employees that Clothes are making? specialized in, in a certain field? Like, is there, I think, yeah, a lot of his employees are specialized. Uh, I know he has sewing people, specific mm-hmm. sculptors, people that just sculpt in clay and then they're, figurine gets turned into the next generation, which would be the silicone mold and then so on and so on and so on. But it's pretty amazing. Bob, yeah. I mean, did you gather that experience? Oh, was there, absolutely. When I was there, it was in the middle of COVID, so there weren't any employees there. Did you see a lot of people? I mean, there weren't a lot of people, but there were several people doing yeah. different things. I mean, they have one big room that's, you know, as big as, I, I don't know, it was like a I don't even know how to compare it to anything. It was a big room, <laughs> very big room. And it was just the costume department. So it was just mm-hmm. a bunch of sewing machines and pattern tables and 
you know, uh, mannequins everywhere. And, and there were a couple ladies in there that were just making beautiful costumes. That was all they did. And I was asking Frank about that. I'm like, well, is it really common out there in Hollywood to have these shops that are doing costume and prop and prosthetic and, you know, because I always thought of, there's probably somebody that makes the costumes and then there's probably somebody else that makes the whatever. And then somebody else, you know, and turns out I was right. Most of the time, those are separate shops. And one of the advantages that Frank and his whole team have is that they do have all those disciplines in one place. Mm -hmm. And if they don't have it, they can figure it out and they can find somebody else that has it. So, you know, they'll have these, productions come to them and say, well, we need a costume, but that costume also has to have this thing with it to do this thing. It has to have this kind of armor. It has this whatever. So it's a combination of, you know, uh, sewing and fabrication to make a, a thing that would normally take two other shops to come work together to get to. And so I think they stand out in, in that area for that reason. Do you know if, if there is an artist who then takes drawings to Frank or and his team, or are they coming up with those designs with maybe some sort of producer? I think most of the stuff comes to them designed already. Okay. And so they're, you know, even if it's, even if it's a two dimensional design that they have to turn into a three dimensional costume or something. Um, I think most of the time they are at the the last stage because he made the the point several times that you know they show somebody will show up with I need this space blaster tomorrow or in two weeks you know and it's not like come up with an idea it's like here here's a piece of paper or here's a three D model of a thing I need this to exist in the real world and you have two days uh, so they do yeah I think that, most that of the problem of solving in a prop shop like that would because I dealt with it with interior design, working with architects, they come to you with a full drawing of what they want, but they have no idea how to fill in the gap. They don't have no idea how to fill in that space. So I would imagine there are parameters in a prop shop like Frank's where it's like, this gun has to be mechanized to show some action, or this gun is just going to be a prop in the scene. It could be just one solid cast versus one that has to actually have some like movement. Maybe there's some, you know, so those, they probably have to deal with all those different things. And a lot of the movement and those those considerations are not based in like what's possible. They're based in the story. He made the point. So in the Obi Wan Kenobi show, there's these certain lightsabers that are a uh, it's a handle that runs through the middle, and that's in a ring. And so while you're holding this thing, the blade comes out two sides, and then it can spin. So basically, you hold a post. And then this ring spins around. This is from a cartoon. This, this showed up in a cartoon. So it's not supposed to exist in the real world. They decided to make a live action show of this. And they showed up to him with these designs for this lightsaber that should not be able to exist in the real world because it physically can't move like that. And they're like, we need you to make this work. And he had a couple of weeks to do it. Mm-hmm. And so they had to not only make the thing and make it look like the thing, but then it also had to move. It wasn't done in CG. It wasn't done in post. And, you know, so they had to, some of the electronics were passed along to them from the art department, I guess, or something. And then the actual spinning stuff, they had to come up with how to make that work. And that's one of those examples of, you know, the design or the designer showing up with, here's the idea, but, that idea didn't come from what's possible. It came from just 
an idea. And then you mm-hmm. know, Frank's job is to make it possible, which is pretty wild, especially if you see this thing up close. You see it in the show. There, there's no room for mechanism in it. It's this really thin little circle that spins around and has, I mean, even for filming, they had to have two blades sticking out of it that were lit up so that, you know, get all the lighting effects and all that type of stuff. So it's not like they added the blades after the fact. He had to figure out how to spin this thing with these two moment arms that were sticking out in opposite directions, which makes it even more difficult, you know. Um, But anyway, he does a lot of that type of stuff. And I was also really impressed, or uh, I mean, of course impressed, but I was also just kind of, I don't know, like looking around at how everything is organized in there, in his shop, uh, just seeing the effort that they were putting into keeping things clean, keeping things in the places where you could find the thing that you needed, and how separated everything was, like the machine area was the machining area had all the safety gear that you need everywhere, had requirements written on everything, had warnings in the places that it needed, had all of the tooling at an arm. So he's at the lathe, we're doing a thing, and he would spin right around to a, a, a like a tool chest that was right there. And everything he needed for that lathe, he didn't have to move his feet. He spun around, it was all right there. He got the thing he needed, he spun back around and put it on the lathe. And my shop has always been so... I mean, I've redone it several times. I've reorganized it a little bit, but it's always haphazard. It's like, well, I've got enough room over there for this thing, so we're just going to shove it in, in that corner. And things are kind of not at arm's reach, you know, and, and things are organized, but only barely. <laughs> or, you know, uh, th- this discipline and this discipline are kind of mixed together within this area. And I, I know where it is, but I couldn't tell somebody where it is. And so it was really cool to see that and how to to think about how with just a little bit of effort my shop could become a lot easier for me to say when you guys show up you know if you ask me where something is I could actually say like well it should be pretty obvious because it's in that section because that section makes sense you mean like like me where I have to call two assistants ago to say, <laughs> remember the thing we once touched after we left that shop and I then the guy gave it to me do you remember that and he's like yep it's under the table on the left side underneath the shoe like, yep, there it is. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I was just, you know, it made an impression on me. That's a better way to say it. I was impressed because I thought it was cool, but it made an impression on me as to how how logical everything was and how well kept it was. And it has to be because he's got a bunch of people coming through doing different jobs and they're under time crunches and stuff. But, you know, it kind of got me thinking like, well, could I be more efficient? Could I like actually spend less time finding things or, you know, figuring stuff out if it was all like right there where you could get to it. It's so nice when you come into a clean, perfect shop. I think I've been contemplating hiring someone that's only their only job. Their only job is to organize and clean. So that's something I'm considering. So if you're out there, your only job will be to organize. You're not going to be involved with the making of the movies. You're not going to be involved with the camera work. I would uh, only I would add CNC skills to that. That way, they can cut out foam inserts to put in drawers and CNC. Yeah. Clean and CNC. Yeah, and maybe a little they can make, work, but not make a little more. organizers for every single little drill bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, also a good true. writer. Maybe editor. Yeah, if you yeah. can edit. Yeah, 
But that's going to be your only Can job. Can you run a camera? And cook? organizing, CNCing, editing, and camera. That, but and, that's your and only cooking. job. And cooking. <laughs> Sometimes you make lunch, but that's it. That's it. That's it. And clean bathrooms. No YouTube channel. That's all I need is this lamp. That's mm. all I, I need. I'm kind of joking, but I'm partially serious. I, I wish I had somebody that could just... <laughs> If there's anybody out there that's listening to this podcast that doesn't know who I am, that wants to clean full time, that doesn't care. <laughs> Who's listening to this podcast who doesn't know who I am? <laughs> Come on. Maybe you could start. You know what? I'll entice. I'll, this might be enticing. You could start a YouTube channel just about organizing stuff. There you go. <laughs> oh. Especially your place. What's that, what's that, that woman yeah. that's, uh, what is her name? Mariel something or other. Oh, there's yeah. a woman on. Uh, she organizes stuff. I get her to come live here. The the art of tidying up. Yeah. She, I think you would have here. a really hard time with that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she would make you throw everything away. You would have a hard time with that. I would just rent a whole other warehouse to make it throw it all away. <laughs> I'm going to throw it all the way there. Yeah. Smart. I always see, you know, when you see these these house, these home renovations, these flipping shows, and uh, they'll, they'll take the family away, they'll flip the house, and then, you know, it all looks good, and the family comes back. Where does all that stuff go? You know they're storing it somewhere, and then that family has to take On camera? You know where it is? It's just off yeah. camera. <laughs> it's just it's right behind you. It's just behind the camera. That's it. Like, oh, my God, it looks so good. Yeah. And then when you leave, like, everything made out of MDF just pops off the walls, <laughs> and all the stuff has to get put back in the room. I'm sure they've done like follow-ups to those type of shows, right? Where they go back and see how the family dealt with, you know, what was left behind by the the TV show. It's called the, the court system. Oh. <laughs> see all the filings, the people that get sued because they didn't meet expectations. So I have a friend in Savannah who was on one of the early episodes of, um, oh, what was the name of that show? It was an HGTV show where they would come in and like do a room. It was like an older trading spaces. Trading spaces. That was it. Um, so they they came in and did his living room, and when they left, it was just a dumpster fire. Like it was so poorly done. Yeah. It looked totally opposite from the rest of the house, and they had to end up ripping everything out mm. that was done, and like took it even further down to to be able to build back up with, to what they wanted. It was just terrible. And I, that's I've seen the when episode I was, a long time ago. But. When I was involved with HGTV, very, very peripherally, I never really had a good relationship with them. People would always say, get me on this show, get me on that show. And I said, the casting's online, go online, find the casting. I said, but don't do it because they don't do a great job. Mm -hmm. It's all done in a rush, in a huff. And you have all these carpenters that just graduated film school <laughs> yeah, doing all the work. There was The other one was... Uh, Extreme Home Makeover, mm -hmm. where they would like come in and take a house and like just totally redo, you know, all this stuff. And there was another one in Savannah where they took this old house and completely redid it. Uh, I think one of the kids was special needs, and so they had to make some, you know, some adjustment to the home for him to be able to get around and stuff. But then they added all this stuff to the house that made it too expensive to live in. And I think this was a common thing where. Yeah, they they, they upgraded the tax roll. Yeah, uh, they make the house the value goes up, so that changes the taxes. But then they would add all this stuff that would require you know more uh, utility and 
all sorts of stuff. And I remember hearing, and I don't know whatever happened with the family because I didn't know them, but I remember hearing how it was going to actually make it harder for that family to stay in that house. Now, maybe they could sell the house and get more money out of it. I don't know. But, you know, I guess it's a well-intentioned thing that kind of flipped around. But anyway, I don't know how we got to that. Um, you guys got anything else you want to chat through today? That was fun. Have you guys ever seen the movie Hot Rod? Andy Samberg? Yeah. I, I think so. Okay. Well, if you haven't seen it, then it won't make any sense. You should go watch the movie Hot Rod because it is very funny. But there's a point where somebody rings a bell and then all these these dudes who are just kind of dumb all start like trying to sing the same pitch as the bell. <laughs> Anyway, I already love it. You just got already love it. Yeah, it's a great movie. We watched it uh, while we were in California. We um, would get to the end of our day. You know, we'd been shooting all day, and we'd get back to the Airbnb and just sit down. And we we watched that uh, and Dumb and Dumber, both of which I had forgotten how funny they are. And maybe I was, you know, kind of punchy from just being tired and being like shooting stuff all day. But man, just so funny, like ridiculously funny. Mm Hmm. It's been a while hmm. since I'd seen it. Anyway, anytime Jimmy makes that noise, you think of the the uh, the scene, the most annoying sound in the world. Yeah. That that's how <laughs> we got much. there. <laughs> ah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm gonna thank our Patreon supporters because they are awesome, and they all get the after show. If you know somebody that likes our show, that doesn't get the after show, tell them to join Patreon at any level, and then they would get the after show, which is more stuff. Um, also, since it's totally unrelated, I just happened to think of it at this very moment. We were talking before we started recording about possibly doing video of this show and putting it on YouTube. So if we do that, um, I don't know how we'll handle the, the after show for Patreon, if that would be video as well. Probably not. But uh, if if you're listening right now and you have thoughts on that, if you would like to see this on YouTube, see us or just, you know, hear us on YouTube with like a image on the screen. We could do it that way too. Anyway, we're trying to figure it out. We're thinking about it. So give us some feedback. I'm going to have to start wearing clothes again. Yeah. 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 It's right. You shave your chest? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> sometimes, yeah. Man's yeah. Skin. <laughs> anyway, uh, big thanks to everybody at Patreon that helps us out. We got a bunch of top supporters over there that have, you know, go above and beyond. We're really grateful for all them. Uh, that group is Gretchen Hofer, Michael Menegin, Warren Works, Scott Orham, Full Steam Designs, Odin Leather Goods, Rich at Lowen Designs, Fun Kiss Artistic Creations, You Can Make This Too, Chad from Mancrafting, Works by Solo, Albers Woodworks, wow, so and many. Corey Ward. Um, Warren Works and Albers and and, and uh, uh, Bernie were at the racetrack. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah just so you know. So cool. some guys are in my orbit. Thanks, yeah. guys. Oh, yeah. They're all awesome. And if you want to help us out over there, support this show we would really appreciate it. Go to patreon.com slash making it and pick whatever level you want. Thank you. And you'll get the after show. And that's it. Uh, you guys got anything to recommend this week? I've got two of them. Good day. Uh, the oh. first one is a YouTube channel, Chipped Builds, and that is Ashley Stilson. Uh, she's big time. Uh, yeah. yeah, Ashley. Um, always has the best, nicest comments positive and then she has a, a nice little youtube channel you should go check out so that's my first one and then the other one is 
it is on I like to make stuff.com slash feed slash podcast slash making it podcast. And that is episode 324 with Frank. So if you haven't listened to that episode, oh, yeah. you should go back and listen to that episode where we had Frank. We don't have guests very often. And he was, what, what maybe our third guest ever. That's funny. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> Completely. So, mm-hmm. uh, with, with all that's been going on legally in the uh, historic news events of current current events, I've been popping in and checking out uh, Legal Eagle. Oh, yeah. He really lays everything <laughs> out. Really, He lays everything out really good. And you guys know, I may have told you guys this, but do you guys know Legal Eagle? Do you guys follow yeah. Legal Eagle? Nope. Did you know that he was in the audience when we all got together in like 2015 at Maker Fair? When we, the three of us t- were together, or was that what is in 2016? When were we together at Maker Fair in the auditorium? And uh, we were being interviewed Somewhere around by, that I can't remember, who, who was the guy from Maker, Camp, Maker Fair? I can't remember his name. I'm forgetting everybody's name. Remember we were sure interviewed. What you're talking about. We were interviewed on stage. Oh, Caleb? No, uh, not Caleb. Sinise? Mike, oh, yeah. Mike Sinise interviewed us. How long ago was that? That was six or seven years ago. Oh, yeah, 2017 know. maybe. I don't know. I, I don't want to say Legal Eagle's name out loud because I don't know if he shows his real name. But Legal Eagle was in the audience that day before he even had his YouTube oh. channel. He was because he's also a maker. Oh, I didn't know that. And I made that big gavel for him, and then because of events with Aaron, everything got kind of side railed. Although the gavel is done last year. I never shipped it to him, so I owe him a message. So if he listens, I will certainly send him a DM. But Legal Eagle, yeah. I have your gavel still. <laughs> he mm. does. Uh, he's the one that does uh, the uh, the lawyer reacts to, and then uh, the the films, right? Yeah, yeah. He just did like a weird lawyer thing. But what I'm I'm just so impressed with his capability to sit in front of the camera and not do one cut. He must cut when he sh- he does cutaways when he shows some inserts and stuff. But he could literally look at the camera and talk for ten solid minutes and be on point with every everything he yeah. says. Hmm. Not say, "Oh, I got to do it again," or misstep, or what I meant to say was, "It is unbelievable." He's like a computer programmed robot <laughs> that just says exactly what he needs to say. I'm so impressed with his his capabilities. I mean. Is he a robot? Do we know? <laughs> he might be. And I'm just saying his, his communication skills are so clear and precise, it, it makes it a joy to listen to him when he explains legal stuff. And like I said, with this unprecedented current events that are going on, it's fun to tune into him and he breaks it down. A little bit like Philly D, but a little bit more, you know, like you want to know what's going on, just go listen to Philly D and Philly D will encapsulate it in a 30-second clip and you go, oh, I get it. As opposed to watching 40 different news clips on something that you don't understand any of the beginning, middle, and end. But Philly D will put it together in like a little two-second bite before he jumps to a sponsor and you get it instantly. So Legal Eagles, if I, very much If I may, you, you talk about him just being able to talk for 10 minutes straight. There's another channel, and I've recommended him before. It's called Uncle Tony's Garage, and he just does car stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, right. he puts out a lot of videos, and he'll just do – like the other day he did something uh, about the distributor and the rotary thing, whatever that is called, that goes around there. And he just talked for mm-hmm. 15 minutes straight. I don't think there was any cuts. And it was just so yeah. well explained. It was concise. Everything you needed to know. There's no fluff. It was just, and I was just amazed at yeah. how he could talk to the camera like that for so long. Yeah. Yep. 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 
I don't want to confuse everything, but you just said Uncle Tony's Garage. You know what keeps popping up on my YouTube channel? Now there's so many recommendations, old ones. <laughs> yeah. Dudes with wrenches. Does anybody listen to dudes with wrenches here? And the guy just spits facts about cars. Dudes with wrenches. And because I watch two of them, it gets recommended to me right. every eight <laughs> seconds. So if you listen to my shorts, it's just every two minutes like dudes with wrenches here. And then the guy just tells you facts about Chevy's, mostly Chevy stuff, but it's about all cars. And his shorts are some of the best shorts I've seen. And then on top of that, so dudes with wrenches. And then this is it. I'm done with my recommendations. <laughs> K&S Creative Collective, the guys, they did a documentary on me. I don't know if I've shouted them out here, but the documentary that they did on me is really well done. And it's, it's approaching 100,000 views, which is their very first video oh, wow. on the K&S Creative Collective. And K&S, the metal guys that make those metal racks that I show off from time to time. And that should be sent to my shop. Uh, yep. K&S guys, they'll, they'll respond. These guys are amazing. They're very responsive and they're really supportive of the maker community and they're just really starting. It's a great example of uh, a generational family business where the young generation now is interested in what we do and he's taken full advantage of the heritage of his company versus his generational place in time with social media. So it's great, great, great guys over there. So. Cool. Bob, you don't even need to recommend um, anything well, after those 10. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really have a great one. <laughs> dudes with wrenches here. I've never heard of that, dudes with wrenches. It's so funny. He, every single video he starts with, dudes with wrenches here. It sounds like a cartoon. It reminds me of Hanna-Barbera, like something from Flintstones. <laughs> Captain Caveman. Um, actually, Caveman. so the, the one that I had was, um, I mean, we've talked about Anne of All Trades many times, but she put out a video this past week sometime. Um mm-hmm called I tried to build a school and it's her talking about this the past several years for her trying to build this trade school on her property and man I have so much respect for Anne I think she's awesome and yeah she's just for, working so hard on that yeah I I mean I I have so much respect for like all the different little things she does and the fact that she's trying to do something really really big and the fact that she's willing to say this is not working I'm having a hard time and like be really upfront with everybody about it and not try to just gloss over it. I don't know. I think she's super cool. And the, the video, like I started crying. I mean, it doesn't take much to make me cry. Everybody knows that. No, it's emotional. She's gone through some crazy ups and downs and and I have some inside track as Patrick is helping it directly with the electric and, and Rob Rojas has gone down there and volunteered a couple of times. He's actually in that video. Yeah. He's in that video. Um, but it's just, you know, I mean, you feel bad for somebody trying so hard for something. And there's just like all the stuff that's totally out of her control that's coming at her and, and making it more difficult and everything. But it's it's a good video. Um, yeah, just go watch it because Anne's great. That's all I have. Only one for me. You guys can keep showing off and give a whole bunch of recommendations. Oh, it's that and Hot Rod. Go watch Hot Rod. Dudes with wrenches. <laughs> Hot Rod's really good. Uh, You guys got anything else? Uh, Uh. (laughs) (laughs) He's going to email me now. He's going to say, stop saying it. Okay. All right, cool. Well, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Glad to be back. And uh, we'll see you next time. We'll see you. Thank you. Love you.